The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 24th chapter. But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. And happy Advent. Advent is my favorite season of the church year. Well, it would be my favorite if it weren't so busy. Every year I try to do better at practicing some good mindfulness and presence in the midst of the all too many activities vying for my attention. And every year I find myself so grateful for this time of worship in Advent, for the reminder and call to watch and wait as we sit still for a moment together. The season of Advent in our collective church history first arose as a time of preparing for baptisms at Epiphany in early January. By the 6th century, Advent included a broader sense of preparing with reflection on our ultimate eternity, the coming fullness of God for each of us. And still now today on the first Sunday of the church year, on the first Sunday of Advent, we reflect on the coming of the Lord in both an eternal sense and a now-in-this-moment sense too. Next week on the second Sunday of Advent, we'll hear a message from John the Baptist about preparing for the way of the Lord through repentance. On the third Sunday of Advent, we'll hear from John the Baptist again. And then finally, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we will actually get to hear something about Jesus' birth. This really is a season of waiting. But Advent brings together all the promises of Christ coming into our lives, past, present, and future. And so we begin today on this first Sunday of Advent with Jesus, all grown up near the end of Matthew's gospel, near the end of his life, with his reminder and command to wake up, be alert, Jesus says, for the day of the Lord is near. We cannot know the hour, but we must be ready. Be ready for what Isaiah describes in our first reading of what the true reign of God brings, peace. People streaming to a holy mountain, handing over their weapons of war to be pounded in tools for farming as the fullness of God's peace dawns. It's a beautiful image. Dwight Eisenhower once said that every gun that is made, every warship that is launched, every rocket that is fired, every one of these signifies a theft, a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, from those who are cold and are not clothed. 
War and hunger are always deeply connected. It's always the poor who suffer the most from any nation's conquest. But the coming of the Lord ushers in a day of peace. This is who God is. This is what God's kingdom brings. This is the aim and work of those who participate in God's kingdom. Peace. God brings peace. God calls us to work for peace in ourselves, in our families, in our communities. And God calls us to pay attention to all the ways that God is at work growing peace in us and through us. God calls us to pay attention, to watch and wait for peace and for healing to take shape. I'm injured right now. A tendon in my leg is not healing very quickly. God calls us to pay attention, watch and wait for healing to take shape. God calls us to watch and wait for peace for pain to be relieved, pain for the loss of a loved one, from the regret of a mistake made, from a broken or lost relationship. God calls us to watch and wait for peace and for fear to be calmed, fear of the future, fear of dangers or threats to those we love, fear of loneliness or isolation. God calls us to watch and wait for peace. But here's the thing. We human folks aren't so very good at waiting. It was true for the Gospel of Matthew's first hearers, too, written most likely in the early 80s of the first century, about 50 years after the events being described in Matthew's Gospel took place. Matthew's congregation had been expecting Jesus to return in some form for a pretty long time. In fact, some scholars think that the Gospels themselves were written in big part to encourage Christians who were confused and discouraged because they hadn't experienced Jesus' return in the way they expected. And so Matthew and Mark and Luke exhort their congregations to stay awake, keep prepared, wait with anticipation so as not to miss God's advent, God's coming among them in the ways they didn't expect, in the ways God comes beyond our imagination in all the ways God comes with grace and love and hope and healing to fill the parts of us we didn't even know needed filling. But if I'm honest, I don't love passages like our gospel today for the all too common effect of inciting fear rather than hope. No thanks to some pretty bad theology that turns passages like ours today into some sort of rapture depiction where people are taken up to heaven in an instant, while others are left behind in eternal punishment. It's bad theology, unfaithful to the text. When, for example, in our gospel, Jesus says that of two men working, one will be taken and the other left, of two women the same, the Greek word translated as taken doesn't mean to go up, it means to go along with. And in reference to Noah and the flood, the ones who are left seem to be compared to Noah and his family. People in Jesus' day were all too familiar as well with family members being taken away by Roman forces. These were the images Matthew's congregation would envision, metaphors that suggest God in Christ comes in surprising ways completely out of our control, like a thief in the night, which is also not my favorite metaphor. (laughs) I remember when I was in high school arriving one morning, one morning uh, to my job at the A. Pine Family Restaurant in northern Minnesota. Approaching the back door, 
My key was unnecessary because the lock was broken wide open. Inside, things were in total disarray. What I most remember for some reason um, from the scene was a ton of broken ketchup bottles. I honestly don't even remember what was stolen. I'm sure some cash was stolen. The Apine was known for roasted chicken. Maybe some of that was stolen as well. <laughs> but what I do remember is for months, I approached the back door with trepidation. A thief in the night comes completely outside of our expectation and completely outside of our control. And I don't know if I really want to admit it, but I think the kingdom of God, the coming of Christ, often comes in the same way. And maybe such good news sometimes needs to sneak up on us because otherwise we might be too busy being in control of everything to really cooperate. Maybe we do need the good news to disrupt us sometimes. And in that sense, then, Matthew's gospel today reminds us that what we hope for is not always what we need, nor is the way God gives it the way we'd prefer to receive it. Yet, the promise is God in Christ comes. And so we wait and watch. We stay awake, as Jesus says today. But how do we actually do that? How do we stay awake? In the very next chapter of Matthew's Gospel, I think Jesus gives us at least one pretty good answer to that question. Then Jesus says, The king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. The faithful will ask, When have we done this, Lord? We don't remember such a visit with you. And Jesus will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. We tend to think that being prepared, staying awake as Jesus' disciples, has to do more with our personal faith, our personal morality, our personal uprightness. But whenever Jesus teaches about true discipleship, he always points to how we treat others. Faith is never just a personal experience. True faith, true discipleship takes shape in the ways we live in the world. We serve Christ in every way we serve others. Gathered here on this first Sunday of Advent, we help one another see where God is at work in our world and in our lives. We help one another see how God is showing up in faithful and life-giving ways for us. Even in our waiting for healing, for comfort, for peace, we help one another see how God is still showing up. In fact, God often shows up for us through the very souls gathered around us. No one knows when incredible, when incredible blessings may occur, just as no one knows when tragedy will strike. No one knows, but we do know this. God is present, and God in Christ comes. Sometimes it's hard to see, and we need help. Sometimes it's so apparent to us and we can help others. This is the way the body of Christ worked 
all those years ago in Matthew's congregation and Mark's and Luke's and John's. And this is how the body of Christ works for us today. As we sit still together for a moment in our worship, may we give thanks to the God of our past who has walked with us in promise and love. May we give thanks to God who is present, who shows up in surprising ways. And may we give thanks to God who goes with us, who leads us into the future and into forever. A blessed advent to you of watching and waiting and serving. In the name of Christ. Amen.